0: We talk a lot about self-defense training, but the part that usually gets left out is what happens after you have to shoot to save your life. That's coming up on Gun Talk. Welcome to Tom Gresham's Gun Talk, high-capacity talk radio. All right, welcome back. Tom Gresham here, visiting with uh, Ryan Gresham. We're talking about our new television show, Gun Talk Television. It's on the Versus channel. We've already run the show on, let's see, the AR-15, and then this weekend the show on the 1911 just ran. And then next week we've got the, the show on the Tulsa Gun Show, the largest gun show in the world. You know what was fun about that is being able to show the diversity yeah. That, that we have there. I mean, because people think of oh, a gun show, is it a flea market, is it a what? And you go, no, 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 let me show you. we got everything from, literally, there were some camouflage-colored chocolate fudge That's what I'm going there for. That's what you're all about, huh? (laughs) You're going to hit the fudge. And then they had, uh, well, at at least one and probably several quarter of a million dollar guns there and everything in between. It was was really fun.
1: It's just a chance. I mean, it's fun to go into a regular gun store and look around and see what's there. But this is kind of like going into a gun store times a thousand where you can just see so many different things and uh, and ask questions. And, And a lot of times the guys at the booth are... I mean, they're history experts oh, they on are. these guns.
0: They are. They're experts. I mean, walked up and I just said, tell me, and I said in the piece, I said, look, if you really want to know something, just walk up to a booth, any of these booths, and just say, tell me about that gun. That's that's the what you want to say. And just settle in because a guy, I had a guy walk, you know, he just picked up his gun. He said, all right, this was the Colt. Uh, single-action army that was used, in such, and such, and such. He says, but really, he says, that's not what was popular. He says, the Scofield, made by Smith & Wesson, was used by the cavalry guys because they could pop it you open and break it. and
1: reload while you're on horseback. While you're
0: on horseback. It changed the game. Yeah, exactly right. He says, and then, so you're right. These guys, a lot of them, are historians to the point where, I mean, they're not just like, you say, well, they're amateur historians. No, no, no. They have a depth of knowledge where credentialed historians, if you will, would go to them oh, yeah. for the information.
1: Yeah, they're, they're experts.
0: Yeah, they re- they really are. It's it's a fun deal. It's a fun show, the Tulsa Gun Show. You know, the thing that really uh, impressed me was how many people I talked to, and I would start asking them, how long have you been coming to this? Because after a while, you, you start finding out. And people say, oh, yeah, I've been coming for 15 years. Right. I've been coming for 12 years. As soon as they go... They start making plans to come back, and they come back every single year. It's like this is one of the. T- it's like you got Christmas, birthdays, and the Wanamaker Tulsa Gun Show. They <laughs> just
1: put it on the calendar.
0: It is. It's literally on the calendar. You got some uh, questions and some uh, from folks off the internet who send us all sorts of things.
1: Yeah, Andrew wrote in and said uh, he's looking for an under the bed gun safe that would hold a nineteen eleven pistol. What would you recommend? Um, my first thought is. The gun vault style of safes. Mm-hmm. It's it's small and can hold a, a pistol or a couple pistols, depending on what model you get. And they're they're really easy to operate and they're quick to operate. Great way to keep the gun safe from. Um, this would
0: be for handguns.
1: For handgun, because he's yeah. asking about a nineteen eleven pistol. Okay. So I mean, um, good, great for handguns. Great for keeping it away from people who shouldn't get to it, kids or, or whoever. Yeah. But easy access, because that's always the challenge is, well, I'm going to keep it in a safe, it'll be safe, but can I get to it if I need. in an emergency? Um, and Gun Vault's making those, and there are several other companies who are kind of copying the Gun Vault design. Well, now. And,
0: and they have a combination, it's got four buttons on top, and then you can program in whatever combination you want, and they have some that are biometric.
1: Yeah, you just put your finger in, kind of basically read your fingerprint, and it opens. Yeah. Which is very cool.
0: And you can program it for several different people so that if you said, okay, uh, for me and my wife, you know, we'll both have our fingerprints programmed in there, you literally run your finger right over across this little sensor, and the door just flies open. You can reach in and grab your pistol. It's
1: it's like Mission Impossible kind of stuff.
0: <laughs> it is. And for those who worry about electronics, not to worry. You can still open it up with a regular old key if everything goes wrong. You go, oh, well, what, what's my fallback? Which, yeah, we talk about that a lot in self-defense. And I always ask, people say, well, I'm going to do this. I say, good. And what are you going to do if that doesn't work? And they kind of look at you like, huh?
1: That's, that's that whole uh, sitting in your in your chair, in your living room, and kind of going through those scenarios and go, well, what if that doesn't work? Yeah. Okay. okay, well, now you're on the ground. What you're, if that doesn't work? You're
0: going to you know? do this. Now what are you going to do? What if that doesn't work? It's having those layers of thinking your problem through.
1: I, I think we're tempted as humans to think about, well, I'm going to get my concealed carry, and if uh, and this is the way it's going to happen. This guy is going to come in. I'm going to pull out my gun and be a hero. And, and a lot of times you have to go, um, you know, what if this doesn't work? It's not going to happen the way you want. Because yeah. it usually doesn't. It usually
0: doesn't. And th- there again, that's where the training comes in. Because you go talk with people and train with people who are maybe law enforcement trained, got experience, and they'll say, look, I know that what you see on the TV and the movies looks like you're just going to shoot the guy and they're going to come put a medal on you. Let me explain to you how this is really going to work. <laughs> yeah. It's like when Clint Smith says, all right, uh, you got all your gear on, you got all the stuff, you're going to be Mr. Cool Hand Luke, are tactical. says, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to do three somersaults on the ground. Now, I want you to roll around over and over and over on the ground. Now, stand up. Mm. See all that stuff that's on the ground? That's the stuff that you're not going to have with you in a fight.
1: Right, exactly. (laughs) Well, I mean, a more extreme example, maybe, but an example nonetheless, uh, talking to a guy who does some, you know, tactical operation kind of stuff, he says, yeah, one of the first times I was in a gunfight, I was in somewhere overseas, and uh, they stopped, and he was... He was uh, taking a leak. <laughs> yeah, really? And all of a sudden, gunshots started flying over his head. Oh. <laughs> you got your pants halfway down, and you go, oh, no.
0: Yeah, well, he said something like that. Probably not, oh, no, but yes. yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh, no is
1: the radio version yeah, that's of That's the radio
0: version of it. Yeah. Okay. i tell you what, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to be talking about reloading, getting into shotgun shell reloading, and a lot of the things that uh, people... Uh, are asking is can I, of course I can reload bird loads and target loads can you also reload slugs, buckshot what can you do and why would you do it when we come back, reloading your shotgun, why you do it and how to get into it, right here on Gun Talk When the sky darkens and the flock is overhead, nothing in its class outperforms Mossberg 935 Magnum waterfowl shotguns. Mossberg, field-proven performance since 1919.
2: You know you need a gun safe, so Gun Talk has arranged a great discount on a top-quality safe. The Fat Boy Series from Liberty Safes holds lots of guns, and they have the security and fire protection you want. Here's the secret. At LibertySafe.com, click on the Fat Boy Safe at the top of the screen and put in the code TOM for up to $100 in rebates on your next Liberty Safe purchase. That's LibertySafe.com. Click on the Fat Boy Safe at the top and put in TOM for your discount. LibertySafe.com.
3: What's a must-have for your self-defense handgun? It's Crimson Trace Laser Sights. Crimson Trace Laser Sights fit ergonomically with the handgun and are instinctively activated. When you grip the gun, the laser turns on. So good that 99% of customers would recommend Crimson Trace to family and friends. For more info, go to CrimsonTrace.com. That's CrimsonTrace.com.
0: Remember your first Mossberg. So will your kids. For youth shooters to have success, they need a gun that fits correctly. Mossberg offers over 40 youth shotgun and rifle configurations. Mossberg, field-proven performance since 1919. All right, back with you here at Gun Talk. I'm Tom Gresham, visiting with Ryan Gresham, and going to bring in our friend Dave Kern from Mech Reloaders now. Hey, Dave, how you doing, man?
2: I'm doing good, Tom, and yourself?
0: We're doing good, getting ready for shot show like everybody else, huh?
2: Oh, yeah, it'll be coming up pretty quick.
0: Yeah, like, you know, this afternoon, it feels like. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mech uh, Reloaders, let's give them a the quick uh, update on uh, the company, what it is, where you guys are, what you do.
2: Okay, uh, yeah, we're uh, located in Mayville, Wisconsin.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, we've been manufacturing shot-share reloaders under the MEC name since 1956. Um, we have a full line from the simplest single-stage reloader, uh, our number one seller of all time, the 600 Junior, all the way up to our uh, fully progressive hydraulic machine or electrically operated machine.
0: Okay, and you guys are the best at lying to people that I've ever seen. I'm, I'm telling you, you tell people you're going to save money when you load. And everybody goes, great, I want to save money. Nobody saves any money, Dave. They just go no. out and shoot a bunch more.
2: That's exactly what we want them to do, Tom. And, it, and they'll ask us that. They'll sit there and they'll say, well, how much money am I going to save? And you look at them and you say, probably nothing. And yeah. The guy says, well, why would I want to do it? Mm-hmm. And we tell him, well... What it, what reloading allows you to do? It allows you to shoot more for the same amount of money. Exactly. Oh man, that's a great thing. Yeah.
0: So, what, what do you What do you think realistically versus uh, you know not the cheapest loads you get out, but the good loads? Like you're going to be loading in your loader. How, how much can you save, really?
2: Um. Like you said, it it depends on a lot of variables, Tom, uh, how they purchase their components and what they're comparing them to. Mm-hmm. Typically, probably on a box of twelve gauge shells, I would say they're going to probably save three bucks a box.
0: You're talking half, forty you know, like, like We least.
2: usually tell people they can probably load a box of shells for. Mm, Four bucks, maybe.
0: Yeah, and that's comparing with uh, the good loads that you're going to be paying seven or eight dollars for. Yeah, exactly,
2: exactly. And Mm. when you get to the sub gauges like twenty-eight and four ten, the savings are huge.
0: Oh man, it's crazy! You go out and buy twenty-eight gauge ammo, and it costs twice as much as twelve gauge ammo.
1: It doesn't make sense, but you know they're just not making as much
0: of it. It just is. All right, Right. here's here's a question for you, Dave, because Ryan and I were talking about that uh, going into this. And you got a lot of people shooting three gun matches. You got people that are interested in doing different things. Can you load buckshot or slugs?
2: Absolutely. Um, To to load buckshot, what they have to do is they have to hand pour the shot in. Mm -hmm. They can do all the rest of the steps on the reloader as far as a D prime and resize and reprime and put the powder in and the wad in and. But the shot they have to hand pour in, and then they just finish crimping it.
0: Are they just? Because the
2: buckshot, because the shot's too li- large to flow through
0: the right. tube, Right. it won't flow through the tube. Right. Now, on the bigger shot, like I say, a double odd, are you actually counting out the shot pellets?
2: Well, sometimes people do. Uh, there's been other people that have used a discarded primer box that okay. you know has so many holes in there, and they'll try and <laughs> do it that way, or sure. or they'll make up make their own measuring device that it's going to hold like. Ten or twelve pellets, or something like that. And, that, and you that figure
1: out what you need. Dip you just in go and
2: hand pour in.
1: You just go up to your wife's cabinet, baking cabinet, and you pull out the, uh, you know, the muffin uh, pan, one quarter, <laughs> yeah, the one quarter cup measuring <laughs> thing. And honey, I'll be back in an hour or two. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and just and just Ryan, Ryan the knows
2: nice the added flavor it gives her baking later. Oh, uh,
0: listen, let me tell you, Ryan knows the story. He said, "What was it?" 30 years ago, more than that, when I uh, borrowed my wife's, his mother's, uh, big ladle spoon from the kitchen because I was uh, casting bullets and I needed something I could uh, scrape the dross off the top of the lead, was melted lead, so I went and grabbed her big metal spoon out of the kitchen. And that's been thirty years, and it probably a spoon probably cost two dollars back then, and we still hear about that. Oh yeah, uh, still I really hear imagine, about that one. Yes. <laughs> now,
4: yes.
0: now I, okay, I didn't put it back in the kitchen. I mean, I already, I knew it was had lead on it because that then became my lead
1: casting spoon.
0: Exactly.
4: You to,
1: it's all in how you spin it. You say, honey, guess what? You got a new spoon. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I wish I'd thought of that because I would have. You know,
0: done away with 30 years of hearing about this stupid spoon. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, okay, so you can, and I know you can save money loading lead or loading buckshot, and you can load slugs, too?
2: Yeah, there's, um, the thing with slugs, Tom, is they can seat the slug in that, but then they have to actually take the shell off of the machine, mm-hmm. and there's some companies that make what's called the roll crimper. right. And generally, it attaches to a handheld drill or to a drill press, and then they just have to hold the shell very tightly and come down and spin the plastic on the end, so they yeah. actually roll it just like you'd find a factory shell in.
0: Hmm. Yeah. And of course, I mean, that's a slower process, but truthfully, oh, yes. nobody I know is going to go out and shoot 300 rounds of buckshot or slug in, you know, a day. Mm-hmm. just not, not and be able to comb their hair the next day, because they won't be able to pick their arms up that high. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> but there are people that still do it. I mean, there's we, we get asked that question, you know, can I load slugs? Mm-hmm. Say so, absolutely, you know, I mean, like you said, Tom, how many slugs do you shoot a year?
0: Well, <laughs> that's it. Now, you might just talk a little bit about, uh, your mech has really been working on educating people about reloading, and you've got, you know the seminars to train uh, people who are then going to teach reloading, right?
4: That's correct,
2: yeah. We had contact, contacted the NRA and got a list of certified NRA reloading instructors, and then we brought instructors in on two different occasions so far into our facility here to, to train them on the use of our equipment. Mm-hmm. And right now we have, oh, I think it's 14 trained instructors out there in various parts of the country that are conducting seminars, whether it's at a, a large retail store, at a local gun shop. Um, we're we're advanced, or we're actually doing it this year. We're going to test the waters on some actual gun shows. Mm. And uh, just to see how it goes, because the education part of it, Tom, is huge, you know. I mean, we've been in the business 54 years and we think Oh, boy, everybody should know about reloading, but there are a lot of people that have never seen it done.
0: And they can't imagine how easy it is until you actually have them do it, right?
2: Absolutely. In fact, that's one of the most common um, comments we hear. You know, you, they'll sit there and they'll watch you load a shell, and you let them or their son or their daughter or whatever load, load a shell, and the first thing that comes out of your mouth is, I never knew it was that easy
0: you know i was loading shotgun shells i was probably 9 years old Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know at the time that my dad was making me load his ammo because he was a cha- trap shooter. He just told me it was fun, so I'm in there like a little, <laughs> little urchin and slave in the back room with this little press, like a you know, little, little Huck Finn thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was yeah, he, telling you how much fun you were having. That's and right. Said, that's yeah, right. Having a ball. This is
0: great. I get to load ammo. I wonder where it goes. Yeah. <laughs> and
2: dad says, "Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much. Exactly right. All right." Give us an idea, because one of the things that's neat about the mech loaders, and I was thinking about this, Ryan, with, uh, when you're loading metallic, you know, you need a lot of extra equipment. Right. right? You you know, you need press, and, uh, you need dies, and you need a a powder measure, a powder scale, and all that. Dave, when you buy a, a mech loader for your shotguns, you've got everything you need, don't you?
2: Basically, you do, Tom. Yeah, the, the loader, all, all our loaders come with a standard charge bar for each given gauge. So a 12-gauge would come with an ounce and an eighth bar and a 20-gauge with a 7 eighths, and 4-10 with a half-ounce bar. Mm-hmm. And then they also come with three powder bushings, which are the most commonly used for that gauge. So depending upon the load that they're using in that, generally speaking, they really don't have to get anything Else than what they all I mean, that you, already came with the machine,
0: you could just buy the box, take it home. You know, I mean, you got to get some powder and some shot and some primers and then your empty holes. But you could literally take the box out, set it up, and start making ammo right there.
2: Yes, you could. Yeah, we, we do encourage people, Tom. You know, you, even though um, it's it comes with three powder bushings, we still always encourage people that that if they want to really make sure that they're Machine is dropping the the amount of powder that they want. Mm-hmm. That they verify it using a scal- an accurate scale.
0: A scale is a good idea. Yes.
2: Yes. Yes. It's a you know it's something that we always suggest.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, the bushings will be very should be fairly close to what it is, but there's there's different factors that regulate how much powder goes into it. You know, like how they operate the machine and right. the time of the year and so forth like that. So we encourage them to do that. But basically, if they just follow the recommendations in the powder guide and use the corresponding bushings that we have, they'll be safe.
0: Give us an idea of the cost of the machines.
2: Um, Generally speaking, like the 600 Junior Mark V, which is our number one selling machine. In fact, the 600 Junior has been our number one seller since 1966. <laughs> um, that model sells for about $150 to 160 somewhere in there. Okay. Uh, then we have the next step up as a size master, which sells for probably a little over 200 And then we have our first entry progressive reloader, which is the 650. Which doesn't resize, but that probably sells for around the three hundred dollar range, and then we get to the grabber, which is about three eighty, maybe, and then our nine thousand G series, which is hand operated, which is about you know four eighty, and, and we go to hydraulic and electric,
0: and, get, they're and they're about nine hundred. Yeah, and and the thing is, when you get to that level, you are turning out a lot of ammo. I actually know people who will buy one of these uh, upper level machines with their buddy, or, or two or three of them go in. Oh,
1: yeah. And then you can, didn't you, I mean, because you can make so much ammo, it would be hard for you to shoot it all unless you were uh, shooting all the time, competition shooting kind of, of shooter. But um, get two or three friends, yep. and you guys go in on it together, the cost isn't as much, and you're able to supply ammo for all of you. The, absolutely,
2: absolutely. We have that. We hear that a lot where a guy will he'll buy, a, he'll buy a loader, and it's for their trap team,
4: uh-huh. for their
2: sporting clays, group that they always go together one guy does the loading and they all chip together and buy the components and and chip together for the reloader and you know they they do it like that or or a family you know you get a lot of families where they're husband and wife and the kids are getting into it now so you got four shooters or something in the family now
0: or, you know, kids who grew up like me where they, you know, lock you in the room and make you load ammo for a while. <laughs> and then, you, know, you know, they say, if you have a case loaded, you can come out now. <laughs>
2: there you go. I think we're looking at having that, uh, incorporated into the system today, Tom.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Dave, I really appreciate you spending some time with us. It's always fun to talk loading. And like I tell people, look, yes, you get, you know, cheaper ammo, you shoot more, but loading is its own activity. Tell you what, we will see you at Shot Show, won't we?
2: Yes, you will, Tom.
0: All right. We'll be having some fun there. We'll get together. Now, give out that website again, please.
2: Yes, our website is www.mechreloaders.com.
0: And that's reloaders.com Correct. That'll work. Hey, Dave, thank you. And we will see you in, Vi- in Las Vegas, man.
1: Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Ryan. Take care.
0: All righty. Yes. Uh, fun guy and really good price. you know a good solid company been around for a long time and if you haven't thought about loading you ought to think about it it's it's really something tell you what don't go far when we come back uh, ryan and i are going to be beating up on somebody else this is going to be pretty exciting you want to hear this
3: Something in basic black, like an AR-15.
0: Some things never go out of style, like Tom Gresham's Gun Talk. All right, back with you here, Tom Gresham. It's Gun Talk. Uh, GunTalk.com, if you want to see our website. GunTalk.tv, if you want to see some of our videos. We have more than 600 videos up on the website now, everything from what is a gun, what is a revolver, what is an autoloader, to pretty advanced shooting techniques, shotguns, rifles, handguns, all of it, guntalk.tv. Now, you know I talk about how you may or may not, often will not get good advice about which gun you need when you go to a gun store. The folks behind the counter may or may not know what they're talking about, but they always, as we like to say, they are... Uh, Often in error, but never in doubt. Well, if you think you get some bad information about which gun to buy, wait till you start asking people about information and advice on self-defense with firearms. Everything from guns to ammunition to when you can, when you can't, when you should, and especially what do you do if you are forced into a self-defense shooting. Now what? Well, uh, answering that and, frankly, going in a little bit different direction from some of the other folks is our friend Alan Corwin, who has just written a new book, After You Shoot. Hey, Alan, how you doing, man?
3: Doing great, Tom. How are you?
0: The After You Shoot, the subtitle is, Your Gun's Hot, The Perp's Not, Now What? So the first question i got to ask you is, why do this book?
3: you know after 15 or 20 years of writing about gun laws and being involved in the battle for the right to keep and bear arms um some some paradoxes just gnawed at me and I couldn't resolve them the main one is you're told just call 911 and don't say anything well that's impossible
4: <laughs> okay that's
3: impossible yeah right they say uh, don't say anything just say I was in fear for my life. This man attacked me. This is evidence that there's paradoxical information on what to do. And the main parts don't fit. Okay. Right? Call the police and don't say anything. You can't do that. So what should you do? And I would ask you and your, your uh, audience these questions. If you face a potential murder charge, which you do after a shooting, do you have the right to remain silent?
0: Everybody would say and- yes.
3: The answer is yes. Do you have the right to have an attorney present prior to and during any questioning?
0: Basic the answer Mira- again? The basic Miranda warning, yes.
3: And it says yes. So then how do you call 911 and talk into a police voice recorder Yeah. immediately after a shooting? When if- your blood pressure is up, you're suffering under an adrenaline dump, you've been through the most traumatic experience you will ever have in your life worse than divorce or losing your home. And you're supposed to cogently talk into a police recorder without remaining silent, without a lawyer present, and you literally give up your your Fifth Amendment rights uh, protections against self-incrimination. Well, that's got to be wrong. And this noodled around in my brain, After You Shoot, is my 13th book, and I've stumbled on some things, Tom. The, what I call the deadly loophole in self-defense law.
0: Well, you know, it occurs to me, Alan, and I'm sure you researched this, when a police officer is involved in a police shooting, he is not allowed to make a statement right there.
3: How, how about that? Do we have rights that are equal to the police? I would say we should, and in fact, that's Chapter 2. Let's look <laughs> at people who have enormous experience in this. That's the police. What do they do? The cop is immediately surrounded by a team, he's put on administrative leave for two weeks with pay to suggest he did nothing wrong because he didn't, mm-hmm. and then he issues a statement in writing. Well if that's good enough for the police, that's good enough for you and me, isn't it?
0: So we when don't they want to walk suggest
3: up they have rights we don't have.
0: So what you're saying is when if you get into a self defense shooting and then police are there and they're asking you all these questions and they're going to be quite forceful about it at that time That's right. You're saying rather than do the whole, uh, I was in fear for my life, what do you do?
3: Well, you jumped ahead to when the police are already there. Oh, okay. Your your gun's hot, the perp's not. Now what?
0: Oh, okay. So this is before even the police get there.
3: So in my opinion, in a perfect world, the very best thing would be call your lawyer and have your lawyer call 911. So you have the benefit of counsel and you make no public statements and you're using the model the police use that has been approved up, down, and sideways. The only problem is I spoke to 70 experts, prosecutors, judges, police, lawyers, trainers, and almost everyone says if you call your lawyer first... They'll use that against you, presume you're guilty, and you're screwed, blued, and tattooed.
0: Ooh, well, that's that's an interesting thought. Tell you what, hold that thought. We're going to figure out exactly what the advice is in just a second here, Alan. The name of the book is After You Shoot, Your Gun's Hot, The Perp's Not Now What. It's by Alan Corwin, and check it out at gunlaws.com. When we come back, we're going to find out what Alan says you actually should do if you get into this situation.
3: Why should you buy the Ruger SR9 pistol? Because it's one of the slimmest 9mm handguns available and still holds 18 rounds. That's a lot of power in a concealable package. It has the features you want, like adjustable sights, picatinny rail, slim grip, ambi-safety and mag release, and adjustable grip size to fit most any size hands. And most of all, because it's backed by Ruger's legendary reliability. To learn more about the Ruger SR9, go to Ruger.com slash SR9. That's Ruger.com slash SR9.
1: More than the Trade Association for the Firearms Industry, the National Shooting
2: Sports Foundation's mission is to promote, protect, and preserve hunting and the shooting sports. We promote participation, helping to bring more new people into the sport. We protect our sports from the field to Capitol Hill. We preserve hunting traditions and firearms freedoms for you and for future generations. Promote, protect, preserve.
1: It's not just our mission, it's our passion. To find out more, visit nssf.org.
2: Built for them, built for you, is more than a slogan. Seventy percent of the small arms used by the U.S. military carry the FN brand. They've been driving firearms innovation for more than 150 years. The same precision is designed into FNH USA's line of handguns, tactical shotguns, long-range precision rifles, tactical systems, carbines, ammunition, and accessories. Built for them, built for you. Check out the FNH USA line or find a dealer near you at FNHUSA.com.
0: The title of the book is After You Shoot, Your Gun's Hot, The Perp's Not Now What by Alan Corwin. Alan, of course, is uh, one of the critical thinkers in the firearms world. It's always a pleasure to, to talk with him, Alan. And uh, you're talking about after you get into a self-defense shooting, one of the things that grabbed my attention is, you know, we all know the four rules of gun safety that we learn and practice, and they keep us safe. And you've come up with what looks like new safety rules for self-defense, five rules there. Fairly interesting, but the first one is, and I think maybe it's a way of helping people to recalibrate, and if I may, it says, if you ever shoot in self-defense, you must then defend yourself against execution for murder. That helps to kind of put it into perspective.
3: Boy, don't it.
0: You know, because the whole idea is, okay, you've just defended your life, and now someone else may come and try to kill you. That would be the district attorney.
3: That's absolutely correct. The police don't show up as officer-friendly looking to pat you on the back and give you a medal for offing a bad guy. And let's assume a perfectly clean shoot. The police walk in. One guy's got a gun. One guy's got bloody bullet holes. Which one do they look to arrest? The guy with the gun.
0: Yeah. Which one are they going to be pointing their guns at when they get there?
3: And I have a whole section on what you should do with your gun and what to expect when the police come in, one of which is have your lawyer's card and your ID in the open palm of your hand
4: Mm -hmm. so
3: you don't have to reach for your wallet, and they get your lawyer's card and they understand you want the same treatment the police would get, which is I'm innocent unless proven guilty, it's a clean shoot, everything's okay. Uh, The book includes three sets of safety rules, and actually... Your show's going to announce this just before I do okay. publicly on Monday. Um, the, uh, th- there are three sets of safety rules. The one we all get, uh, assume it's loaded, point it in a safe direction, finger off the trigger. Right. The don't have an accident safety rules. Right. Then there's what they call the Love Joys rules, which are for using a gun to protect yourself. And, and the three basics there are, number one, you must have a gun. Number two, your gun should always be loaded and ready to fire. And number three, the first hit counts more than the first shot. Those are the rules for gun safety, for using a gun to survive combat. But after you shoot, which happens to be the title, um, people don't realize when you drop the hammer, the next thing that happens is you face a murder charge for which you could be executed even wrongly because the justice system doesn't always work in your favor. And the second rule you have to remember is that when you drop the hammer, you're signing a check for your life savings to your lawyer. Harold Fish, who defended himself perfectly legitimately here in Arizona recently, became a famous case, spent three years in jail, mortgaged his house, borrowed money, paid $700,000 to eventually be acquitted, and he's a free man. He did nothing wrong. Three years in jail.
0: But he lost everything he had and three years in jail. And which that and you make the point of the book. I'm glad you did. Which that what a great example of. This is why you want to avoid this and do essentially almost anything to avoid getting into a gunfight.
3: Absolutely, that's that's uh, rule number five. If innocent life doesn't immediately depend on it, don't shoot. And if it does, don't miss. I want to get back to the point you made earlier about what should you do right
0: after a shooting. Yes, okay. We've just had this shooting. I mean, we've just defended ourselves. There's either somebody who's either down or he's run away. Either one is okay because he's not a threat now. police haven't been notified. Nothing's happened. I mean, it's it's in the five seconds afterwards. Now what do we do?
3: Well, um, reload, check your surroundings from cover or concealment. Make
0: sure there are no other bad guys, yeah.
3: He could have an accomplice, he could reanimate, he could be wearing a vest, all kinds of things could happen, uh, and if, if he was wearing a t-shirt and you shot him with a 9mm, he might still be okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's no, no rules, no guarantees for anything. Okay, so, but we're, we're at the point now where we're, we have to notify somebody. What do we do?
3: Right. Well, there's no perfect solution in America today. It is a loophole, and it's a deadly one. In a perfect world, you call your lawyer, and your lawyer calls nine one one. You may not be able to reach your lawyer, and there's a whole set of things to do in that event. You may have to call the police yourself, in which case you get what what I call the lawyers just say X, and I've reduced it to four words: say I was just attacked. Four words that establishes you as the victim, Mm -hmm. which is very important because the person who calls first becomes the victim, and the other person becomes the perpetrator or defendant. I was just attacked expresses that, but you're still making statements, which I don't think is correct. So maybe you use option three, which is you make a conference call, if your phone will do it, to your lawyer and 911, so you're both on the line, and you reduce the ability of the prosecutor to say, why didn't you call 911 right away? Mm. You must be guilty. You lawyered up. And ultimately, the answer is this. We need a limited immunity statute for people who call 911 in good faith to report an emergency and request assistance. The book has sample language on a limited immunity law, mm-hmm. and Arizona has introduced this 911 limited immunity law into the legislature this year. Now, we don't know how far it will go, but basically it says if you call in good faith to report a shooting or any accident, that can't be used as testimony against you. Ah. That's the big problem with calling
0: 911. Huh. Interesting. Well... Uh, and you got and there's a whole lot more in this book than we can get into here. Because I, I want people to buy the book, I think it's important. One of the things Which you book get into is that? Th- th- this book would be called "After You Shoot," Alan. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh and, oh, it's all available at gunlaws. dot com. One of the things you mention here, and I think it's really good advice, is. You don't want to have your first contact with your attorney after the shooting. You need to know who your attorney is. I already have had a conversation with him. Have paid him, right?
3: Well, what does it mean to have an attorney? Yeah. I have an attorney. What is it? Most guys who bought 5,000 rounds of ammo in every caliber known to man have not spoken to an attorney. And shopping for one when you need one is like the worst time to go yeah. shopping. No kidding. It's like looking for a gun when you need one. You need to do that ahead of time. So how do you find a good attorney? What does it mean to have one? You should meet with this person, talk to them, understand where they're coming from, see if they will rush out to the scene to protect you in the event of an emergency, and get all that together ahead of time. And if you do it with a friend or two friends, you all get the benefit of the counsel, and you pay a third of the bill each, and the lawyer sees three clients, and everybody's happy.
0: And and you get all of this is spelled out in the book, which is After You Shoot by Alan Corwin. Uh, Alan, I'll tell you what I want to do here. If you can hang with me, uh, the book is great. I highly recommend it. I mean, I think it's important because this is also part of saving your life. I mean, for those who don't aren't, aren't getting what we're saying, your life can be ruined. It can even be ended by malicious or wrong prosecution. When we come back, though, let's talk a little bit, Alan, about uh, you're living down there on the border, what's going on in this unbelievable stuff that's coming out of the White House with this uh, emergency order for multiple recordings of gun sales and the so-called Iron River and Mexico guns and all. I guarantee you Alan has some thoughts on that. Check out his website, gunlaws.com. The name of this book? After You Shoot. We'll be right back. All righty, we're back with you. Tom Gresham, it's Gun Talk. We're talking with Alan Corwin. Of course, he's the author of the new book, After You Shoot, which is available at gunlaws.com. But Alan also is one of the Keenest observers of well the media and their treatment of guns and gun owners and Alan, I'm just curious. I know you've been you live in Arizona. You're right there by the border. All of these stories about this so-called Iron River guns flowing across to Mexico, and as a result, and, and we get this: ninety percent of the guns used in crime in Mexico come from the U.S. We know that's bogus, but it's being used as leverage to force, or at least allow them to get in and do more registration, more repressive gun controls on us. Your take on all this?
3: Well, gun control doesn't work. We can see it at every turn. Guns are illegal for drug runners and criminals and all these people, and they're armed to the teeth. And we see this worldwide. Repressive regimes try to outlaw guns, and the public is armed. Uh, the idea that the Mexican cartels are getting their guns by going into retail stores and buying a gun at a time is absurd on its face. These guys have billions of dollars. They're going to armories in Central and South American countries. They're pulling up trucks. They're unloading stuff by the skid. They use forklifts, and they arm themselves to the teeth. You have 18,000 deserters from the Mexican Army in 2008. The last year I have numbers for. And they desert with their grenades, rocket launchers, and and military munitions, which is what these bad guys are using. The effort to vilify guns... We're a convenient target, we innocent, honest, decent, law-abiding people, and there are people who want to disarm us. And in fact, that's an interesting segue to my very next project, Tom. I'm coming out with a 64-nation worldwide gun owner's guide that describes the gun laws across the planet and ranks all the nations in terms of how much gun freedom they have. And we see illegal trafficking in every single one of them, and it's a supply for criminals, and the largest source is the military and the police. That's where the criminals get their guns. In many places, the police and the, criminal, the uh, military are poorly paid, and they sell stuff to make extra money. Uh, and there's a gigantic iron river, if you will, from the suppliers of the AK-47s to the military to the illegal portions of the public.
0: But it's not going through Joe's Pawn Shop in Butte, Montana?
3: Well, that occurs. It's known to have occurred. Somewhere a gun was stolen. Somewhere yeah. a woman went in, bought four guns that she knew nothing about, paid cash, doesn't speak English, and there's a good chance those guns are going elsewhere. But woe is the gun dealer who says, well, ma'am, you look Mexican to me. You don't speak English. You're buying four guns you don't know anything about, so I'm not going to sell them to you. And the ACLU would be up his butt with a microscope charging diversity and multiculturalism mm. and... and uh, you know, racial profiling. Profiling is a valuable skill that humans have. You can tell healthy fruit from unhealthy fruit. That's what we do.
0: <laughs> That's what you do. You use your senses to find out what's not right. I so, mean, the
3: police drive the streets, and they see businessmen in jackets and ties, and they profile that. And they see a guy with a shaved head with tattoos on it, hanging out looking scruffy, and, and they make a conclusion. Yeah. This, this is normal, natural, wholesome, healthy, good police work. And as far as ATF enacting statute without Congress and changing rules Mm -hmm. without authority, that must be stopped. But is there a value to finding this woman who speaks no English, who's buying six AR-15s for cash, hasn't bargained on the price, doesn't know what they are, how they operate? That sends up a red flag.
0: Yeah, it does. Hey Alan, we've got to scoot out of here. One more time, let me just tell people about your book. It's called After You Shoot. The Guns, Your Guns Hot, The Perps Not Now What, It's At. Gunlaws.com.
3: You'll be at the SHOT Show, Tom. We'll see you there.
0: We will be at the SHOT Show, and I guarantee you I will see you there. Always a pleasure to get together with you. Thank you so much, my friend. You bet. Uh, All right, Alan Corwin, Gunlaws.com. Lots of good books there. I think you're going to enjoy all of them. We'll be right back.